My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Thank you for being here and worshiping with us this morning. Today we commemorate Christ the King as well as the sacrament of holy baptism. And as I was standing here, I was thinking about Christ the King and baptism and all the stuff I'm about to dig into in my sermon in just a few minutes. And uh, right over here we have one of our stained glass windows. We have one of a crown, an image of a crown. And on the other side over here we uh, we have a shell And the shell is a symbol for the waters of baptism, used to pour baptismal water over the person being baptized. And we have the crown here. And both of these symbols remind us they serve to avert our attention or turn our gaze towards heaven and to remind us of the great truths that we hold to and that we believe that Christ is king and the way we enter into his kingdom is through the waters of baptism. But before we get there this morning, thinking about the passage we heard read from Ezekiel, about the Lord saying he will come himself to be the shepherd of the sheep. Maybe think a bit about delegation. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh no, I had to like sit in a work presentation about delegation and and business speak and all that stuff, stick with me, okay? Just for a second. Right, so a good leader knows how to delegate, right? They need to be able to assign tasks to different individuals based on their strengths and their weaknesses. This person is trained enough to do this. This person doesn't quite have the same level of training. And the good leader can judge between the two, right? And that's why you hire somebody in general because you would hope that they have the skills unless they lied on the resume. But if they did, you might find that out pretty quickly. You trust that they will do the work and they'll do it correctly. This is how a good team functions, right? Not just in a business setting, but in in any setting. But what do you do if there is a dysfunction on the team? What if a member doesn't quite measure up, right? If you're part of a healthy organization, it's not going to be an immediate firing. If you're a good manager or a good supervisor or a good leader, you're going to try to address the root of the problem. Are you okay? Things going all right at home? Do you need a little bit more training? If we provided training, was something in that training lacking? If so, let's try to get you up to speed so you can continue the work that you were hired to do. And then do they improve? Well, if yes, then, then great. But if not, no, they will eventually be fired. And if you have a dysfunctional team, then the problem will never get addressed and everyone will just sit around gossiping about the person who's not pulling the weight around the office or the construction site or wherever. But what happens sometimes on occasion, right? Even if you have really well-trained staff, even if you have really qualified people, sometimes a problem arises and you can't handle it yourself or your boss can't handle it themselves. So sometimes the head honcho, the, the head boss has to step in to handle the problem themselves because of sometimes the failure of people on the way. And we might hear this expressed in, fine, I'll do it myself. 
I'll do it myself. And sometimes that can be a positive thing and sometimes that could be a negative thing. And sometimes when bosses say that, it actually turns into a negative thing because they don't actually know sometimes the ins and outs of what they're trying to fix. My brother, is uh, he, worked, he worked in the restaurant industry for a very long time as a line cook and as a server, as a food runner, and he told me story after story after story, shift after shift after shift, of when the restaurants would get slammed, the worst thing that would happen is when the manager of the restaurant would come in and say, okay, I'm gonna do something, and then he would like try and take food, and he'd take the wrong plate to the wrong table, or he would try to step in to cook something that wasn't supposed to go out at the time, or start telling people to run things on orders that weren't ready. Right? Sometimes when bosses step in, it doesn't work. It doesn't help because you have to trust the people you hired to do the thing. But sometimes the boss does have to step in and take control. If somebody's not doing something right, pay attention. What are you doing? Right? And in this reading from Ezekiel, this is it's a silly example, right? But it made me think about this, that God himself has to do the work. Right? That God himself is like... I've had it with you guys. I've had it with you people. I'm going now to come to be the shepherd. Because God works through his creation. God works through what he has made. In humanity, we are called to be stewards of creation, leading it towards the highest good. And we know from the biblical stories that we rebelled and dragged everything around us down into sin and corruption and death. But God doesn't just decide to not work through his creatures or through creation anymore. He doesn't just doom us all and scrap the whole thing. No. Even though we failed in our vocation, God still calls humanity and particular people for his purposes. In the scriptures, God calls Noah. God calls Abraham. He calls Isaac and Jacob and he calls Moses, right? We know Moses, he leads the captive people free and he gives them the law, right? We can see the... Ten Commandments, right back there, right? He gives them the Ten Commandments. And then God leads them to the Promised Land. Gives them the rest of the Torah. God brings up judges and kings and priests and prophets. God's always bringing up prophets in the Old Testament. We have to ask ourselves why. Well, he has to because his people continually fail. They continually not do what they're supposed to be doing. They continually fail to keep the covenant that they made with God, that God initiated and made with them. And we see the culmination of this right in Ezekiel's context as he's prophesying and writing in the light of the failure of the kingdom of Judah. And this is why we have all this language of the trampling down and the muddying of the waters is that the leaders that God had put in place and indeed the people themselves continued to turn aside to false idols and to false gods and into sin, leading them to be exiled in Babylon. So finally God says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. God is saying, I will be the shepherd, not kings, not prophets, not the priestly class. I will be the shepherd. And in fact, the shepherd himself will actually be all of those things in one. Prophet, priest, and king. And Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is God himself. Come to shepherd his people. As he says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And this is what's meant by what God says in verse 16 from the reading from Ezekiel. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. 
Jesus does that through the sacrifice of his life on the cross. Jesus' entry into the world clothed in human nature is his act of seeking and saving those who are lost. It is God's act of coming to be the shepherd. And seeking doesn't just mean I'm looking around for something, right? Seeking is our active entry or his active entry into and working through for a purpose. And God does not remain aloof or away out there somewhere, but he actively enters in and moves in and through his creation. And he brings back his straight humanity by incorporating them into the body of his son, Jesus Christ. As the church, we are the body of Christ, St. Paul reminds us over and over again in his epistles. And then Ezekiel ends uh, that, that passage with the statement that God will be the judge. That God will be the judge. And that's something that we've seen in the past few weeks from the past few weeks when we've talked about the day of the Lord. But we also have this explained a little bit more when we heard the reading from 1 Corinthians 15 a few moments ago. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So we see Jesus himself. He is the judge. He is the ruler he rules and reigns over all things. And the end result is the death of death. God's ultimate act of shepherding his people is this end result, right? That God will, we, we, you know, we read Psalm 23, now going through the valley of the shadow of death. Death can still touch us and affect us. But one day death will not be able to touch us. The pain that death and loss stir up that we all feel one day will be healed. How does one receive that then? How does one become part of Christ's kingdom? And we should not be uncomfortable with this language, brothers and sisters, of, of kings and kingdom and rule and reign. We should not shy away from that language. That language is good and that language is important. And it's scriptural. And we need it. And we need to hear it. But we are called to enter into that kingdom. Into the reign. Into the rule of Christ. And the way that we enter into it so we can receive this. So that we can receive the blessings and the benefits of being part of Christ's body. The death of death is through the waters of baptism. And what we will be doing here today with the baptism of Korah, this is her entry into the kingdom of God. This is her entry into the people of God. And as you'll hear in a few minutes, with that comes the responsibilities of being a Christian. Following the commands that Christ gave. That we heard in the Gospel of Matthew this morning. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. This reminds us, brothers and sisters, that our, our faith, the Christian religion, is not one of just mere mental assent to a list of propositions. And if I could put a check mark next to all of those boxes of propositions that I'm in. That's not how any of this works. The Christian faith is one of faith, of trust, of loyalty, of belief, but it's also a religion of faithfulness. Doing what God has asked us to do. As we heard in the gospel according to Matthew from Jesus' own mouth himself. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, helping the sick.
visiting those who are in prison. And then his other command in Matthew 28 where he says, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a command we need to follow as well. The ongoing discipleship and making of new disciples of all nations. And that's a tough one, right? Because we live in a day and age where it's like, well, like you have your truth, I have my truth, and one truth can't be better than another truth, right? So I'm not going to try and force my truth on anyone else, and you shouldn't try to force what you believe on anybody else, because that Bible right there, even though it's really big, right, should never be used as a cudgel or a club, right? That's not how Christianity works, is by clubbing people with a giant Bible. But Christ, as king, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his commandments stand supreme over all things. Over all things. Which means the truth of Christ is supreme. The truth of who he is, what he has come to do, what he has asked us to do, stands above anything else in this life. Anything else. Everything in our lives is to be subservient to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We serve him, we love him, his kingdom more than our country, than whatever political party you favor, whatever. Christ is supreme. His truth is above all things. And we are called to make disciples and to bring them into that kingdom, into that rule, into that reign of love. For death will no longer have the final say over us. That death itself will finally, ultimately, will become destroyed. And so then it enables us then, as we are incorporated into the body of Christ, through the waters of baptism, it leads us then to this life of following the commands of Christ, of serving Christ, of loving Him, worshiping Him, but also serving and worshiping and loving our neighbor. And we should also, brothers and sisters, keep this warning against false shepherds in mind that we heard read from Ezekiel. False shepherds who, who muddied the waters, right? Who trampled upon people, right? There are people who muddy the waters of Scripture. There are people who, who trample the faith of the church by saying Scripture says things that it does not. People also use Scripture to not actually do the commands of Scripture. You may have... You may have seen that, right? Scripture commands us to love and to serve, but people will conveniently ignore those parts or use it as a way to get people to do what we want to do or use it as a way to hate others, which we should never do. So we should be on the lookout for good shepherds and for bad shepherds because ultimately, at the end of time, all shepherding, good shepherding, is modeled on the chief shepherd of our souls, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to shepherd his people and who at the end of time will come again to shepherd his people as he inaugurates the fullness of his kingdom at his return. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Reverend Mike Landsman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation, if you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.